Welcome to episode 39 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen with host Matt Payne. Hey, this week's guest is Willie Huang, man. This guy, I've been following him for a few years. He puts out some pretty amazing photography. Um, I think you guys will really enjoy his photography if you check it out. Um, he comes highly recommended from a lot of my favorite photographers, and um, he's he kind of sleeps under the radar a little bit, so um, I think uh, you, you guys check his stuff out. Um, we had a great time talking a lot about uh, some various fun stories from the field uh, that uh, David Thompson clued me in on, and um, we talked a lot about uh, shooting slot canyons and... Um, Willie's um, approach to composition in the field, uh, which I really enjoyed. Uh, we talked about um, the social media and its effect on landscape photography. And we talked a lot about um, just advice for other landscape photographers, especially if you're new. So I think you guys are going to like this episode. Uh, just a reminder, um, got a Patreon page going. It's a great way for you to support the podcast, even if it's a dollar a month. Um, it helps me keep the podcast running, and um, obviously my ultimate goal would be to uh, be able to live a meager life off of this uh, podcast, uh, but I need your help to do that. I've also announced a $1,000 uh, Conservation Landscape Photography Award, which I will be using my Patreon account to fund um, when I hit $1,000 a month, so if you could help out, that would be awesome. And uh, another reminder, uh, if you're looking to build a website to showcase your photography, check out Wide Range Galleries. My friend Jack Brower um, has built a really great system over there, um, and uh, you'll find that it's pretty much the best system in the world for showcasing your landscape portfolio. Um, if you uh, try to decide to go that route, feel free to uh, let them know you heard about it on the podcast. Thanks so much for listening this week. Feel free to reach out on social media, Matt Payne Photo, Matt Payne Photography, and thanks so much. I almost forgot. I wanted to uh, thank the recent Patreon subscribers. Uh, thank you so much to Zeraldo Lagrange, uh, Dale Higgins, Jesse Thorpe, and Steve Johnson. I really appreciate your support of the podcast, and I hope that uh, you're enjoying uh, what we're putting out. Thanks. Huang, it's uh, awesome to have you on the podcast, dude. Dude, uh, it's honor. I'm totally honored to uh, be on this. Uh, yeah, I've been uh, hearing quite a bit about um, your podcast. I listened to quite a few episodes, and uh, yeah, I think it's a really good idea that you've been running. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's um, it's a it's a little passion project of mine. I've been wanting to do for a long time, and. Just, Gosh, I'm almost like a year into it now. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, you're you're up to uh, quite a few episodes as well, and then I gotta say they're uh, they've been pretty impressive. Cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. So uh, before we before we dive in, I was thinking it'd be cool if you maybe just um, told everyone just a little bit about yourself, like who you are, kind of what you do, tell us some interesting stuff about yourself, and and. Um, cap it off with um, maybe a little story about how you got into landscape photography. Uh, sure. Um, well, 
by day job, I'm actually an engineer. Uh, I should do or work on a spacecraft and things of that sort. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess a little interesting tidbit is that actually I'm working on a, a weather satellite right now that helps to, uh, detect lightning. <laughs> And uh, cool. yeah, one of the actually one of the cool things is that uh, now that the first unit is actually up in space, that you can actually go on a website and kind of see the live lightning data and see what it's striking around the U.S. So damn, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've been part part of me kind of wishes uh, I can get out to the Southwest sometimes to chase some of those monsoonal lightning storms. Oh man, but, uh, me too. But yeah, I'm I'm a little digressing. But uh, yeah, um, so yeah, I. I was an engineer by trade. Um, basically, I grew up in the East Coast, uh, New Jersey to be specific, and then uh, ended up going to school out in uh, upstate New York. And then, so basically, my entire life, I spent my uh, all my time growing up in the Northeast, you know, kind of like the cold <laughs> and, you know, four <laughs> seasons and things of that sort. So right. after college, I was like, you know what? I think I'm kind of done with the cold. I'm done with the snow. Let's move out somewhere uh sunny and warmer so so i decided to come out to uh california uh the san francisco bay area i got a job there and i was like huh you know liking the weather a lot more (laughs) (laughs) and and then once i started uh making a little bit of money i decided to uh buy my first dslr back then i think it was a canon rebel xsi Oh, look out. <laughs> I know. I was, I, was like, I was like so stoked. I was like, 12 megapixels. This thing is amazing. Hell yeah. And then uh, I spent like the first, I guess, probably like a year and a half to two years just to kind of dabbling around. I was doing kind of essentially all sorts of photography. I don't know. I was trying to take pictures of people, some little bit of sports, uh, landscapes here and there, cityscapes. But I, I didn't really know what what it was that I was really wanted to do with my photography at the time so i was just kind of uh you know dabbling kind of trying to figure it out feel it out and then i guess what always i was constantly drawn to kind of more like the landscapes kind of big scenic scenes and somehow that just 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 really um that's what that's what i always felt most enjoyable when i was doing it and i think a lot of that had to be had to go back to the fact that um growing up um one of the things that my parents loved to do was um, take my family out on vacation every year to see all the national parks. And uh, yeah, luckily my parents are big fans of the U.S. national park system. So every summer we basically went to a different national park. And I think it was through that that I grew uh, a great appreciation for kind of like the naturey scenes, the wildlife, and just like the kind of the unspoiled areas of the country. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So, and, so what, uh, what what uh, national parks did you did you used to go to? Uh, let's see. I think we went to Grand Teton, Yellowstone, Mount Rainier, uh, Olympic, obviously nice. Yosemite. I think I've been yeah. to. Uh, I even went up to a couple in Alaska. I think it was um, Denali and uh, Kenai Fjords. And That's then, awesome. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so it's, I mean, and a couple along the East Coast as well. I think it was um, Acadia National Park and Shenandoah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I've always loved going to the national parks and just kind of exploring and seeing all these uh, amazing scenes. Yeah. And, uh, so how do you, 
How do you uh, find the time to get out and take all the photos that you've taken? Uh, well, nowadays, um, I guess the one good thing about my work is that there's a pretty good uh, work-life balance and a little bit of more of a flexible schedule. So um, for most of the time I've, at work, I've been uh, working on kind of what they call like a 980 shift where I get every other Friday off. Oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> so using that plus... um. I can sometimes, you know, kind of move around my work schedule a little bit, take off a little early today, this day and work a little longer another day. And then I'm able to kind of string together a couple more um, days around the weekend. So then I can get away for um, some short trips, usually, you know, like three or four days, which are sometimes perfect going to somewhere within like an, like an hour's flying distance or maybe like a couple hour drive. So then I would just do kind of like a like a kind of an extended weekend trip and then uh, go for uh, some shooting out there. And uh, luckily around the Bay area as well, there's uh, quite a bit to shoot around here from uh, the coast to oh, for sure. the, the city as well as in most recently uh, area. I've been kind of um, exploring our kind of the Hills of California um, that really become green in springtime. Right, right, right. Like, didn't this last summer there was that huge flor- flower bloom, right? Um, yes. Well, that was more down in Southern California. Um, unfortunately, I didn't make it down there. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I, um, you could see it, like, on satellite images. I know. It was, like, literally carpets of flowers. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, uh, Northern California doesn't get that type of bloom. I mean, sure. we get some sorts of flowers up here. There's more. It's more, like, patchy. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, we just don't get the carpets of flowers up here like they do right. down in SoCal. But so, um, so uh, uh, not to totally switch gears, but mm-hmm. I've been kind of chomping at the bit to ask this all day. Uh, a little birdie told me to ask you about snakes. <laughs> oh, I would have to guess that person is David Thompson. It was. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I don't know what it was. I guess it was. I must have, I think it was some childhood experience. I must have seen it at a zoo or something, but uh, I can't quite remember. But yes, I, I really hate snakes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, never, usually, you've never I, had a bad experience per se. Uh, not particularly. I, I just, yeah, I can't really recall what it was that was in my childhood that just kind of made me terrified of snakes. But, but just, yeah, that's the one thing I just dread encountering out in nature. Nice. Well, I had, I had, kind of, to, I had to drop that in there because uh, <laughs> David uh, mentioned that to me today and, and I just had to find out what that was about for you. <laughs> so do you have any oh, funny stories about that? Um, well, actually, the funny thing is um, of all the times in, I've been out in the desert and out in even kind of like, yeah, just mainly like the desert or anywhere that's like hot and dry, I've never come across a, a snake out there. And of all the places I've come across a snake, it's in San Jose. Really? <laughs> yeah, well, it was just, um, it was like a, I think it was like a spring, a warm spring day. I decided to just go hiking around one of the hilly areas. And then I just come across this rattlesnake that was lying across the trail, just sunbathing there. And then you, and, and then you commenced your freak out session or what? Pretty much. I mean, <laughs> I think that snake picked that trail because there's no one else was walking on that particular trail. Right. <laughs> and luckily I saw the snake with enough time for me to just go around it. But 
I think the snake didn't even acknowledge my existence and just kind of continued to laze around there and not even know that I even approached it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so at least, at least that one encounter was a favorable encounter. I didn't have to deal with any snake that was about to bite me. Well, that's good, man. Cause like, I mean, obviously they can be fatal. I mean, it's very rare, but it can happen for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, it can. <laughs> so one of the, uh, one of the things that, um, that I wanted to talk to you about too was, um, slot canyons. Cause I know you like to shoot slot canyons. So, um, I'm curious, how did you get into shooting slot canyons and what is without giving away too many secrets? Like what is your method for figuring out where slot canyons actually are? Um, so I guess, uh, how I got into slot canyons is actually my very first photography trip back in 2011. Um, I ended up going to one of the, I ended up going out to page area and went down to uh, Antelope Canyon as, uh, everyone does. <laughs> I mean, back then it was actually, the crowds weren't too bad yet. They were starting to get a little crowded, but man, I had a total blast in there. Um, shooting both lower Antelope Canyon and upper Antelope Canyon. But in all honesty, back then, I felt like I didn't really know what in the world I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> I was just kind of looking around. I was like, what am I really supposed to be shooting? What am I really supposed to be looking for? Right. And then I would just basically, the guys would be like, look there, point, uh, shoot that way. And I would just basically shoot that way, not really knowing what in the world I was uh doing <laughs> it wasn't until i got home i realized like oh this thing resembles that and that thing resembles that and oh there's a little bit of us this kind of glow or something on the wall that that is like extra bright compared to some of the darker regions of the walls but it was really like what i really enjoy about the slot canyons is kind of like has a little bit of like a I would I call it like a modern art kind of look to sure. it. It's a little bit abstract, but it's also not totally like an abstract because some of the scenes are either actually kind of wide scenes. But I really loved kind of like the almost like the color range where you can go from bright yellows all the way down to uh, kind of the cool blues and you can capture the whole spectrum of color just in one frame. And I just absolutely love kind of like the swirling and twisting lines you get in a lot of the sandstone down there. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, uh, so yeah, it was kind of starting from then that I had this, I just had this thing that I really enjoyed seeing slot canyons. And um, another term that some of my friends and I tend to toss around is uh, we, we, we say that scenes have a, a kind of a wall factor. <laughs> it's basically kind of how good would a scene look if you were to print it and put it on your wall oh, for sure. as kind of, yeah, like, a, kind of right. like a feature. And, and in actuality, slot canyons are probably one of, I would consider something that has very high wall factor because it's, it tends to complement uh, things you have in your house and kind of like more of an artistic feel to it. Right. No, I agree for sure. Although I don't have hardly any slot canyons shots of my own yet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they are something really tough to shoot. They are tough to find. And it does take a lot of practice and probably usually more than one trip to really get the most out of it. Right, right. Well, one of the one of the things that I was interested in talking to you about um, is I, I understand that you're um, completely self-taught and, you know, you've, you've got just a 
smashing gallery in your website, like full of just killer shots. Um, I, I'm curious, like, what was that? What did that growth curve look like? Because you started in 2011, which is about when I started. But I mean, I'm not afraid to admit, um, I, I think you have a lot, a lot better photos than I do on my website. So what did that growth curve look like? Well, first off, uh, thank you very much. And I'm, I'm glad you enjoy my works. Um, actually, I think, well, first started off, um, I think I got took inspiration from a few photographers, um, kind of local photographers down in uh, the Bay Area. It was actually um, Patrick Smith was one oh, of yeah, the guys. Sure. Um, he was like, he used to be he used to be this really big flicker guy. Yeah. And uh, what I really like that he used to um, kind of put out little kind of pointers in each of his um, photo descriptions, uh, like uh, what kind of techniques he used and shutter speeds and things of that sort. So I kind of, um, that's what I first started off with shooting seascapes down kind of along the Santa Cruz coastline, um, kind of trying to use some of the pointers that and kind of information that Patrick Smith uh, had pointed out. And that's when I first got my set of uh, um, grad filters. Right. <laughs> so, so I got my, uh, like, you know, my 0.9, my 0.6, and also my reverse, I think it was, I think it was called the reverse graduated filter or something like sure. that, where it was uh, extra dark on the horizon for perfect for seascapes. Right. It's like, basically, if you shoot a lot of seascapes, you got to have those grads. Yes. So basically, I spent a lot of time, I guess, doing trial and error. I mean, I figured... I'm not going to get it on the first try. I'm probably not going to get it on the second try. So what I ended up doing is I ended up going to the coast a lot in the beginning just to play around and kind of figure things out, seeing what shutter speeds, uh, you know, what kind of compositions and um, any other sort of kind of knowledge gaining um, experiences. And I have to admit, it did, took a, it did take me a really long time and a lot of trips before I really figured a lot of these things out. Um, for example, one of the things that I didn't quite realize going to the coast is that a lot of the a lot of the beach scenes you want down there, there's also very tide dependent and surf dependent. Oh, right. In the beginning, uh, <laughs> in the beginning, I I didn't really know about that, and I would show up to a certain beach, I'll be like, "This isn't what I was envisioning. <laughs> the the waves aren't the waves aren't reaching right. the rocks," <laughs> or at other times, the waves are completely covering the rocks. So it, it took little by little, and then. Every time I made, I guess I'd, I had a failure, I would learn from it. And so, but it was actually very rewarding in the fact that um, I got to um, kind of, you know, have more of a journey and kind of figuring things out on my own. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, but, so did you, so, I'm, so when you say you're self-taught, like you haven't been on workshops or taken any post-processing classes, like you just tried tried to figure it out on your own kind of a deal? Um, yes, mostly I have not taken any workshops or um, the post-processing um, workshops either. Um, most of it was just, I would. I also tended to um, kind of look at YouTube and, and sometimes sure. Google around for certain techniques. Um, I think uh, Tony Kuiper has some stuff on his website that's right. pretty useful. Um, so, you know, I just kind of took like little bits and pieces of uh, um, like kind of hints and like um, recommendations various photographers would put online. And I would just kind of take that into Photoshop, play around with it, experiment with it. And uh, yeah, I was just and 
I would figure out this works. Okay, this works. That doesn't work. And then kind of feel out what it is that I really wanted and which type of techniques really fit my style of photography. Nice. <clears throat> well, I'm glad to hear that there's still people out there that are willing to take take the, I don't know, the right term is the high road, but it's like, it's definitely the road less traveled, right? Like, you know, like trial and error and just trying to teach yourself. And I mean, that's kind of myself too. Like, <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. obviously it's taken me a lot longer than you to figure, figure some of this stuff out. But, um, I think that's cool, man. I, I, I love that, that, that you've done that for yourself. I think that's really sweet. Eventually I did get some uh, hints from also, um, David Thompson helped me out with oh, some of sure. my uh, refinement techniques sure. as well. Like, taking it to that, <laughs> so, I yeah. mean, it, was, it wasn't all soft, self-taught. There, was, there were times when, you know, I met up with different photographers. They would get, tell me these little tricks and that little trick. And, uh, yeah, it was all – and all those little things, they helped refine my work and really kind of um, put everything together. Yeah, totally. I, I get that. Um, I think, you know, it's always good to ask people for help, but I think it's um, – I, I like that there's people out there that are willing to, to, to teach themselves. And I think, I don't know, it's a longer journey, but I think it's a, a rewarding one. Yes, I, I would agree <laughs> with that. <laughs> so uh, David Thompson also uh, tells me that, um, that you are also friends with John Moonmao. And uh, I had the pleasure of meeting him uh, this past May. We went to um, Hunts Mesa uh, together and uh, uh, not to spoil it, but David said that you have some story about John Mumau and Altoids. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so uh, David Thompson likes to uh, kind of, uh, he, he gives John the nickname Altoid John. <laughs> <laughs> because it, was, it would be almost like every morning or every time we meet up with him, um, he would he would always offer us an I love it. <laughs> so it was just it was just kind of like uh became kind of a thing where you know every time we get out of a car or you know just in the morning when we're up for breakfast or you know after uh, after a shoot john would always just offer us an altoid and he always had a box of altoids i love on that him. have you seen there's a movie with Lawrence fishburne called um higher learning i don't think i've seen that one yet yeah, he does the same thing in that movie. He like offers everyone an Altoid and he says, peppermint. <laughs> That's funny, man. Okay, well, we don't have to talk about John Mumau. I just thought that'd be a funny little side side story. Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> so so one of the things that, that um, I wanted to talk to you about was um, just the the art of composition because um, as I look at your um, at your at your work, uh, obviously, um, you're very good at composition. Um, you got some really cool stuff that, um, especially some of, like this, this one I'm looking at uh, that you just put out, like triple helix, like that. That is really cool. Like all the the waves in the sand. Um, so, what's your approach to um, to 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 composing? All right. Uh, first, thank you for that. Um, so in terms of composing, what I really like to look for are, there's a couple of things I really like to look for. Um, one of the things I like to look for is patterns, um, any sort of repeating patterns that also, um, that's one of the first things I like to look for. Another is also depth. I, 
I like to look for objects that if can usually provide some sort of depth to the photo. And uh, lastly, I always like to say that um, I think it was uh, I heard I think it was Michael Bellino mentioned this that you always need some sort of like kind of like a hero in the uh, composition. So, in my opinion, you always need some sort of main subject. That and that main subject is something that you have to make sure you don't put at the edge of the photo. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally. And on top of that, you so I, I usually see it as you have a main subject, but you also need some sort of anchoring point to that photo, um, whether it be like a foreground element or something kind of in the front that provides a little bit of depth and kind of leads you into towards that feature subject of the photo. Sure. Yeah. No, those are those are those are great points. I mean, I learned that anchor point thing. Uh, from shooting with my buddy Kane, like he'd show mm-hmm. me a composition, he'd be like, "This rock over here is a nice anchor." I was like, "Oh, totally," <laughs> you know, like it's something like until someone points it out to you, mm-hmm. um, it's it's composition's one of those things. Like I don't think it comes naturally for many people, um, mm-hmm. and that's where I think spending time in the field with other people, you start to pick up on seeing like like these things like you're seeing patterns and depth and heroes and anchor points like you start to see those things and that you wouldn't necessarily pick up on on your own yes i mean uh in terms of like kind of anchor point and subject one thing i do like to look for is if it can kind of form like a zigzag pattern towards the back so i usually like to try to find if possible find a foreground element that's say on the bottom left corner and if you can connect that to something that's on kind of like more on the right side of the frame that's midway through the frame and then to something else that's also on the left towards the back and then kind of helps you lead your way through the entire frame of the photo sure yeah no doubt um kind of like s curves and and things like that yes that's that's something i always love looking for yeah me me too uh i rarely find it but totally (laughs) <laughs> i mean it's either s curves overlapping layers you know there's 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 many ways to go about it but um for sure for sure but yeah depth is something that i really look for yeah 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 so um i noticed that a lot of your more recent scenes are from the desert and um what i found is that the desert is really good um at providing those those layers and those um patterns uh, do you agree? Oh, yeah. I mean, I absolutely love the desert. Um, but yeah, the deserts, I mean, the other great thing about the desert is you can shoot a lot of scenes without having the need for uh, like explosive skies. <laughs> you can right. shoot, you can do a lot more like kind of intimate scenes, long lens scenes, and uh, just a lot of scenes that are compressed or even just like uh, badland type of scenes where um, even uh, clear skies, um, soft light really helps these type of scenes and um yeah i've been really enjoying going out to some of these places um such as ones with with badlands uh i absolutely love the dunes and uh yeah the desert just seems to offer so many opportunities it's like no matter what kind of weather condition there is there's bound to be something for you to shoot there yeah for sure my the only thing like that i've noticed for myself like during the middle of the day i always get like the harsh like crazy sun. (laughs) (laughs) 
well, in the middle of the day is the time for you to catch up on sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, trust me, I do that too, for sure, because I like to do a lot of night photography. But yeah, um, but yeah, it's I don't know. Like I must always just pick the wrong times because uh, a lot of the times that I go out to shoot, like it's like there's no clouds, and mm-hmm. um, but I've been I've been trying to force myself more and more to find um, to find scenes in those kind of quote unquote bad conditions, like. Um, I think that's when you can really challenge your, yourself to find compositions and patterns and things like that. Yes. I mean, it is, more, it is far more challenging when the light is not what you're expecting. But at the same time, I feel like going out and taking on that challenge is something that also helps you to grow. Oh, for sure. Um, or you could just go with me. And like every time you go anywhere, like there's no clouds. Uh, <laughs> which Actually, is another good, good for night photography, though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although uh, one other thing I would say is a, a really good challenge if everyone ever wants to take up on it is to try going out to somewhere with only one lens. Oh, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> because then it kind of forces you to basically cater the scene to whatever focal length you have. And sometimes you end up seeing things very differently and you can frame things up very differently than if you were to use, say, like a wide angle as opposed to a tele lens. And uh, you'll definitely see the world and scenes in a very different way. And sometimes that helps open up your creativity. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, You know, I recently switched to Sony mirrorless, well, I guess a year ago. And... um, I went originally. I have like the Loxia 21 millimeter, and I got the 5518, and like pretty much that's all I, pretty much all I shot with for a lot of scenes this year, and it mm-hmm. definitely challenged me. Like the 21 wasn't quite as wide as I'm used to, and mm-hmm. the 50, 55, you know, it's it's nice, but like it's hard to it's hard to shoot anything telephoto, so it's mm-hmm. it was really hard, yeah. Yeah, to tell you the truth, I actually really like the focal length uh, 21 millimeters. I feel like it's it's a wide angle, but it's not like the ultra, ultra wide. And yeah, it's, I don't know. <laughs> There's something about it that I always, when I look for a wide angle lens, I always make sure it performs well at around 20 or 21 millimeters. <laughs> yeah, I like, um, I've been enjoying shooting with that, len- that lens for sure. It's, um, it's, it's got a kind of a natural feel to it too. I don't know what it is about the rendering, but mm-hmm. I, I like it a lot. Yeah, it's got to be the uh, Zeiss-like quality on that. <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, switch gears a little bit. So um, one of the things um, I was hoping to talk to you about was um, what are your thoughts on um, the impact of social media on landscape photographers? Um. Well. Obviously, this is a pretty big question, but uh, I'll try to tackle it and kind of my take on it. Um, sure, yeah. Uh, I think social media is has its perks as well as has its negative sides to it. I mean, on the on the good side of it, I think it really helps um, some photographers, especially budding photographers, get a little bit more exposure. You know, um, you can actually kind of it's a it's an easy platform for everyone to share and see other people's works. Um, I mean, definitely. Versus, say, when I first started, where um, a lot of times I had to, I felt like I had to do more digging to find other people's works of, say, from a certain area. Whereas now it's just, you know, you can go on Instagram and so forth, and it's just seems these 
there just seems to be a lot more access to seeing people's works. For sure, for sure. But at the same time, I feel like social media is sometimes maybe skewing people's um, ideas of kind of like um, producing their works. Whereas, at least I've been noticing that it seems like a lot of people are kind of just following kind of a bandwagon and just trying to create what everyone, like kind of like the general public or um, what they think mass crowds will like rather than kind of expressing what you really want to do in your photography. Sure. No, I agree. Yeah. yeah that's what I find is like, um, yeah, there are some people, I mean, especially, I guess, more of the newcomers, they're kind of, uh, they're, they're doing it more for the likes and more for kind of um, stamp collecting rather than really figuring out what it is that they want to express in their own photography. So, uh, what is it that you hope to express through your photography? Actually, for me, um, funny thing is my whole goal <laughs> from the get-go was actually just to uh, take photos to decorate my future house. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, when I when I decided to go into landscape photography, I wasn't doing it for you know to become to be able to sell lots of prints or to do workshops in the future. I mean, I just really want to kind of enjoy nature, um, be able to experience different places and then um, just capture, capture kind of like the images that reflect those conditions and the scene that I recall uh, when I experienced it. So, you know, kind of like kind of stash, stashing up the memories for, uh, for my future. Sure. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, I think that's, I think that's a pretty honest answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny, man. Um, I don't know how I would answer that question for myself. I think, you know, for me, like I started out, photography was just a way for me to document <clears throat> my adventures, you know, like cause mm -hmm. I, did, <clears throat> I do a lot of mountain climbing and backpacking. And so I just wanted to, you know, document those, <clears throat> those trips for looking at them in the future. You know, like when I grew up, my dad did a lot of mountain climbing too. And, um, he and his mountain climbing friends would always come over and they would look at all their photos on, um, on the, the slides. They'd have a slide projector and they would look at all their photographs. And I remember how I, th I thought that was cool. Like, like looking at all your mountain climbs and all the places you went and stuff like that. Like that was pretty cool. So I always remembered that as something, um, that I wanted to do. And then the more and more I got into it, the more I realized like I wanted to do more than just um, document what I saw. I wanted to capture images that that were resonating for me, like more than just memories, but also like I don't know, like just capturing amazing scenes. I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, uh, this is total. I mean, I mean, going out there and kind of remembering your experience. I think that's all part of the journey. And then, um, yeah, I mean, considering you do a lot of that mountain climbing and backpacking, I mean, if I were you, I'd be taking photos all the time, <laughs> just, just, to, just so you can remember each trip. And I mean, all, most of the time you're going to come up to different conditions, you know, different circumstances every time you go out and condition, you know, something that looked like this, uh, six months ago is going to look completely different. It might've rained, you know, flowers might be blooming, storm might be coming and then so every time you go out it's it's different <laughs> even if you shoot the same scene over and over again you get different conditions all the time and that's part of the, 
kind of like what I see as the fun of photography is you're constantly chasing different, um, you know, kind of like different circumstances. It's kind of like chasing the light, chasing the weather, chasing the exact conditions that you're looking for. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah. Uh, it's funny though. Like I find myself not like purposely not going back to certain locations, even if I wasn't happy with the photos I got there. Like, um, I'm always like, I always want to see more. Like I want to see more places. Like it's funny. I, I, even if I, I don't know, do you, do you find yourself going back to the same places or do you, um, um I mean, it's kind of like a yes and no, um, answer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are some scenes, I guess that really resonate with me and, uh, you, these are typically more the local scenes. Sure. Um, just because I feel like um, I live kind of locally that I should be able to get, <laughs> you know, eventually get what exactly I'm envisioning. So for local scenes, I will go to back to a certain place multiple times. And a lot of times, part of it is just to also kind of figure out the light over, say, the course of a um, couple months or something. How does light change from winter to spring, for example? Or if I'm chasing specific kind of conditions that um, kind of really make the photo that I'm really envisioning. So I will go back to certain places multiple times, but usually they're local scenes. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. and I basically will keep shooting that until I get what is exactly that I'm looking for. Right, right, right. No, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Like for local stuff, um, I, I do find myself going back to certain spots just probably just because it's easy and like you have a free like evening and uh, you looked at the weather and it looks like mm -hmm. it might do something that could be interesting. So you take a chance and go check it out. It's not as risky, I guess, in terms of losing out on time. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, like landscape photography is, uh, it's fickle. I mean, I don't know how many times I, I, I lived when I lived, I used to live in Portland. And so, you know, I used to go try to shoot scenes all the time and come away with absolutely nothing to show for it. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it got to be super demoralizing at times because you know you're, you're driving two or three hours to get somewhere and then nothing oh know, yeah you i hear you for that <laughs> yeah like that's that can be really f frustrating i feel like especially if you have have a vision in mind for what you want to shoot but i think it's good to not attach yourself um to a preconceived idea of what you're going to find too because I think that's when you start to find yourself get disappointed, you know? Yes. Um, I think David will also mention this a lot is don't get married to a composition. Right. It's like you have to, at times, especially when the weather is changing fast and often, you have to be a little bit nimble. And if your kind of pre-composed scene is not quite working out, you have to be willing to let it go and try something else. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In my opinion, that also helps you develop as a photographer. And hey, a lot of times you'll probably end up getting a better shot and something more unique by trying something different. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's kind of a double-edged sword because like you end up shooting stuff that not a lot of people have seen. But then, at least for me anyway, like sometimes I'll make a mistake. Like I'll forget to remove a composition compositional element or I'll, you know, forget to focus stack a scene or, you know, something. Mm -hmm. Cause I got rushed with, with the composition because of the changing dynamics of the scene. But I totally agree. Like 
a lot of my better shots have come from like having to do some pretty quick improvisation because of changing conditions. <laughs> hey, sometimes uh, doing the improvisation is that's the fun part. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, around. I mean, it gives you it gives you a little bit of a a rush. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I remember this last year. I I was in the Grand, the bottom of the Grand Canyon. I did a rafting trip there, and um, I was shooting a sunset from near our campsite. And um, I found this really cool scene with all these flowers and stuff in the foreground with like the, the huge walls of the canyon like above it. And like as the light changed, I started to like see like uh, I needed to get up higher because I wanted to see the river too. So like mm-hmm. I scrambled as the clouds were shifting to pink to find like a scene. And actually I found like a really cool spot where I could get like this awesome like ancient looking yucca plant in one of the corners as an anchor and then like the walls of the canyon all like lit up so yeah man it's it was a rush though like i was running around like crazy i had these rubber boots on because you know like i didn't like get picked by a scorpion and it was yeah oh, rubber boots are awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah i felt i felt like a crazy man running around on the hillside of the grand canyon hey uh, hey i mean you came in with a great experience and a great photo and something you will always remember absolutely man all right well um so you've listened to a couple episodes of the podcast so um you know i'm curious based on the name of the podcast um Mm -hmm. collaborate and listen um what advice do you have for other landscape photographers particularly um newer landscape photographers um i think my uh biggest um advice would be to uh Basically, take your time, experiment, and kind of figure it out what, and mostly figure out what you really want out of your own photography. And I think that's what will really define how you develop and kind of um, how you learn and also what kind of works you want, really want to gear yourself towards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I mean, I think the biggest is one of the things is really figure if once you figure out what you really want and what your goal is then you can kind of formulate okay you were looking for this type of scene or that type of scene and you know how you want to develop your processing um i mean are you in it for say are you trying to look for something that has like kind of like the general look kind of like i guess i would call it the instagram look (laughs) (laughs) or are you trying to develop your own kind of um you're almost in your own type of look that is unique to your photography. So I think it, for photographers, really want to kind of figure out what it is that you want out of it and how you want to go about doing it. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice. Um, when I first got into photography, like I, I took my camera with me everywhere, which got super annoying after a while. <laughs> but like, that sounds like me as well. <laughs> but you know, like I, I just found myself taking pictures of like all kinds of stuff and it, it helped me kind of hone in on what I enjoyed um, taking photos of and you know I kind of arrived at the same conclusion you have for sure um, have you found your um, have you found that over time your 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 because you're talking about this developing a, a personal vision or a personal style uh, have you found that your style has shifted over the years? Um, I say maybe a, in some ways. I think it's mostly on the processing yeah, end. Yeah. But I guess so for me, my thing is that um, 
I like to try to keep my photos as more have a natural look to them. Sure. Um, I know I know some photographers they're more into the heavier post processing. I mean that's fine for them. I mean it's that's what they you know that's what they enjoy. But for me personally, I like to keep the scenes with a little bit more um, that's more like kind of natural and um, also like. I actually like it when my photos aren't absolutely perfect because um, usually in nature, at least from what I've seen, there's things are usually not absolutely <laughs> perfect. Those are, you know, something a little bit unbalanced or a little bit of flaw here and there. And I actually like that about um, natural scenes. So, so in that sense, yes, my, my photography is kind of, that, that type of style has kind of stayed the same where I try to keep uh, keep my photos more faithful to nature. Okay, yeah. The reason I was asking is because as you were talking about that, um, you know, I think I I found myself becoming well known for a, for a while for having like that more supernatural look, and like people liked it. Um, but the the more I got into photography, the less I liked it. Um, <laughs> you know, and so like mm-hmm. yeah, I, I can see that, and so I found myself gravitating more towards the natural the natural look and feel like just today i went i probably went through two two or three thousand photos that i've taken over the last few years um because i just i got laid off on friday so i have like all this free time um, so i was like you know i was trying to go through some photos and figure out what i wanted to do with them and uh and i found myself like time and time again like oh like that composition is good but the processing is terrible like so like I have all these backlog of photos that I want to go back and mm-hmm. process. So, well, I would say just take your time. I mean, the other thing I like to do is I'll, sometimes I'll process a photo, give it like the kind of like the first round processing on one day, and then I'll put it away. Yeah. <laughs> then I'll come back the next day or a day two days later, and then what I find is that you won't, you'll see things that you didn't see on the very first day or the day before, like a couple of days down the line. It's like, oh, why did I? process it that way why did i do the color tones that right way? no you know totally. you'll, 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 you'll see things you'll see things after you know not seeing it for a little while and then you'll notice things that um that usually help um kind of make your photo better if you kind of space out your processing or come back to it after a few days to let it settle into your mind for a few years <laughs> yeah even that. i mean definitely i found like um if i wait um, cause you know how it is, like you get really excited and you want to like process your images, but then I found like if, if you can put like a couple of weeks in, in between, like it really helps. Um, I don't know, like it, it gives you more time to reflect on the images that you took. Oh, I totally agree with yeah. that. Funny thing is, um, a lot of times I'll, I get, I, I get really excited about like probably say the best photo I got from the evening shoot or right. whatever. I'll process it and then, you know, I'll process the other photos from the, that outing and I'll be like, damn it. That first, that first photo, I don't like the processing yeah. <laughs> because I figure out, I figure out how I really want to process it on the second or third photo. So I ended up going back, dumping that first photo that I processed and starting over again. Yeah, man. I, I, I've done that so many times, like, or like, um, you come back and you're like really excited to process a certain photo and then you're going through your shots and then you realize like this other photo that you weren't crazy about is actually the better photo. 
Yes. <laughs> I mean, that, that's one, I think that's one of the cases where you really have to look at your photos on a big screen rather than just on the back of your uh, yeah, camera LCD. Man. Yeah, there's been so many times where I've looked at a photo on the back of the camera and I was like, that's money. And then you get back and you're like, oh, it's soft or like it's not in focus or whatever. <laughs> Like yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah I've man. I've had I've had that a lot of times as well. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> That's the worst. All right. Well, so I'm curious. Um, who would you want to hear on the podcast? Like, who are some people that have inspired you over the years that I haven't had on the podcast yet? Okay. Uh, I guess I'll first start off with. Um, I'm sure other people have. Um ask for them as well um would be uh sarah marino and ron Costora. for sure for sure yeah i mean those two are they're they're absolutely great people and uh yeah they uh, they have some absolute amazing works as well yeah i actually um actually uh sarah was the second person i reached out to when i started the podcast she was very interested mm -hmm. but you know, she's in the middle of building a house and she's super busy, but yes. <laughs> um, we're probably going to meet up because we only live like two hours apart now. Um, so mm -hmm. we're probably going to just meet up in person and do it that way. So. Oh, that would be even better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I would also say uh, another uh, inspiring photographer I ever found is a uh, florist, Van Brugel. Yep, yep, yep. yep. <laughs> Although oddly enough, I guess uh, – it was it was probably like a couple of years after I started that I really noticed his works and then I started looking through his galleries. I was like, some of these places look really familiar. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out that apparently I was classmates with him in college. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. That's I, I, crazy. I, I had no idea until like later on. I was like, Wait, he took that right on campus. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I really enjoy his works and like finding compositions and how he uses, um, he uses, he can make a scene really good looking, even with just clear blue skies. And he's not like, he, he's not as like, I guess, like burning light driven, but he's more compositionally driven. And that's one of the things I really likes about his work. Um, a couple other guys I would recommend is also, um, CJ Kale and Nick Selway of um, Lava Light Galleries. Um, those guys, uh, they, they go some, yep, yep, to yep. some pretty extreme lengths to get some of the lava shots. So, um, and uh, they're both great guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, and they're out there like all the time. Yeah, I, I forget which one. I, I want to say it's Nick Selway. He's starting a gallery here in Breckenridge. Yeah, he just announced, he just announced like uh, I think a few days ago that he's uh he's going to be opening a new gallery yeah. up in Breckenridge. Yeah, I've been meaning to have both of those guys on the podcast. I just um I haven't reached out yet, but I will for sure. Um Yeah, I mean, yeah, so th those guys would uh I would highly recommend. Well, man, well that that's a that's a perfect list. I appreciate it, dude. Yeah, no problem. Well, cool, man. It's been it's been fun chatting with you. I really uh, appreciate it and uh, been really enjoying the photographs you've been putting out. So keep up the good work. All right. Thank you. And uh, it's a pleasure to, uh, to be on your podcast. Absolutely.